What gain has the wonder from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. One of the things I love about this passage is it starts with a pretty familiar question. You know, when the writer says, what gain has the worker from his toil? He's really asking, what is the purpose? What's the meaning of life? What's the point? He'll ask that question multiple times in the book of Ecclesiastes, including in the third verse of the entire book. What is the point of all the work that we do? And he's really hitting on a question that we all ask from time to time, and that is, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? What's the point of the things that I encounter in a regular day? You know, we realize that good days are good days. They end, and bad days seem to come more frequently. I don't know if there's a better year than 2020 to resonate with this verse in Ecclesiastes. What's the purpose of all this? What's the meaning? What's going on in the world? It seems as though the world is coming unglued. It seems as though times are harder than they've been, and there is no meaning and purpose. In fact, that may have been what drove you to watch this online service. It's just a feeling of desperation, a feeling of purposeless and meaninglessness. But one of the things I love about the Bible is how honest it is about the human experience. The book of Ecclesiastes is asking this question because we all ask it at one time or another. The purpose of the Bible is not necessarily to make us feel better. The purpose of the Bible is to resonate with our human experience, God to speak into the life that we live, the world as we know it. And this is a way, by asking a familiar question, what is the point? What is the meaning? What is the purpose? Where do I find hope? And the writer does have an answer. In fact, he jumps pretty quickly from that question into the beginning of an answer. And the beginning of that answer is that hope and meaning and purpose are found not in our day-to-day experience and not even necessarily in trying to suss out meaning and purpose from the details of the day. Instead, he says that meaning and purpose or hope are found in this, that there is a God and that that God is doing something that there is a God and that that God has a plan. He, He talks about how God has given it to us to do certain things, to to work, to eat, to drink, to live life. But it is actually God who has a plan. It is God who is bringing meaning and purpose and hope to life. In in fact, this passage makes me think of a particular 
Christmas tradition that my family does. Every year on November 1st, we make this massive paper chain. You probably know what I'm talking about, folding pieces of paper to form links into one really big chain. And from November 1st to Thanksgiving, we count down the days to Thanksgiving, and then from Thanksgiving on, we count down the days to Christmas. And at the end of every day, right after dinner, we gather as a family around the chain and we tear a link off. We're, and we say, hey, we're one day closer to Thanksgiving, or we're one day closer to Christmas. And it's a way of saying, really, no matter what happened that day, the hope and meaning and purpose and excitement that we have is not in the events of that day. For some of us, it was a good day. For some of us, it was a bad day. But either way, good or bad, we're one day closer to something we're really excited about. It's a reminder that that individual day is just a link in the chain. In fact, I have the chain here so you can see what it looks like. And you can see that here is where we are today. And way down at the bottom of the chain is Christmas, specially colored, specially designed. And what we celebrate as a family is we don't know what kind of day this will be or any of these days, but we know what kind of day Christmas will be. And we're looking forward to it. We find excitement and meaning and hope in the fact that there is a larger chain, a larger story that our family is experiencing, and we can't wait for the fulfillment of that. And that's what the writer is saying. He's saying that some days are good and some days are bad, but if all we have is a link in the chain, if all we have is that day, then what really is the point? What really is the purpose? But if there's a God, who's weaving a greater story, if there's a God who's up to something, then we find the meaning and hope and purpose we're looking for by losing ourselves in that greater story. In fact, when he talks about how it is to us to eat and drink and work, what he's saying is not just that meaning and hope and purpose are found by connecting our individual lives and our individual days to a greater story, but also he's saying that one of the things that drives the question, what is the meaning, what is the purpose of life, is a sense that we have to supply it, that we have to secure for ourselves meaning and purpose and hope, that we have to look at the news and make sense of all that is going on in the world, that we have to understand why we are in the midst of a global pandemic, why you're watching this online and not in a church building. But you see, if there's a God, and if that God is in control, and if that God has a plan, not only does that give us hope, but it also allows us to relax a little bit. Because the reality is, He has to supply meaning. He has to supply purpose. He has to supply hope. He has to make sure that the links in the greater chain are intact, that we're headed somewhere. And if we believe that, and if that's true, then that means that we can take the burden off of ourselves, that we can say about an individual day, I don't know what the purpose of this day was. I don't know why this day was good or why this day was bad. I don't know how to watch the news and make sense of what I see, but I don't have to because I'm not God, but there is a God and he has a plan and he knows what he's doing. But of course, 
the reality is, is that even if we resonate with the question, and even if we can see how there being a God with a plan would provide an answer to the question, a generic God with a generic plan, a vague notion that someone out there, the big man upstairs in the sky has a plan, is not really going to provide us any comfort. We need to know this God. We need to know his plan. We need to see what's at the end of the chain so that as the days go by, we know where we're headed. Well, friends, that's exactly what God has given us in Jesus. In fact, the great hope that comes from the Christmas story is that there isn't a generic God with a generic plan, but there is a God who's communicating, a God who is saying in the sending of Jesus, this is who I am. This is my plan. Watch him. See who he is. Watch what he does, and then you'll know what's at the end of the chain. Then you'll know what's coming. Then you'll know how to find meaning and purpose and hope in your life. In fact, one of the ways uh, I love the Bible is the way it sets up. Because if you think about it, the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, is really about this one promise that God has made, that he's going to send someone who will fix our world, someone who will rescue us from our sin and rebellion against him, someone who will restore and renew our relationship with God. And in the entire Old Testament, you keep waiting for God to keep this promise. It's a really big promise. And you're not sure at different times that God will keep it, that he'll want to keep it. You, you feel as though maybe God will grow tired of us, that God will not want to keep his promise, and that all we will have is the meaninglessness and the insignificance of our individual lives. But in the very beginning of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, when Jesus shows up, when he's born to a virgin in Bethlehem, that is the answer to the first part of the Bible. God has kept his promise. God has sent the rescuer. But of course, that means something. And it doesn't just mean that there's a plan and that the plan is happening and that the plan is working and that there is a rescuer. It means that this God, this God that the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying that we need to make sense of our world, the God that we need to find hope in our seemingly meaningless existence, this God is not only real, he keeps his promises. And as we follow the life of Jesus, we'll see that these promises are hard to keep. Jesus is born to a virgin in the very town that God said he would be born into. Jesus lives a sinless life, which we can all attest is not easy to do. Jesus sacrificially goes to the cross, giving his life for all of God's people so that he might pay the price for their sin and God might show them grace. And he raises from the dead the hardest promise of all to keep. And in all these things, God is building a bit of a resume to us, showing us that he has a plan and that his plan, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, can't be stopped. That there's nothing that can get in the way of it, not even death. When Jesus raises from the dead, he shows us conclusively 
that this God can be trusted. That all the people in the Old Testament who lived their lives looking at the last link of the chain, the promise of a Messiah, the promise that someone would come, that every day as they tore that day away saying, my hope, my meaning, my purpose doesn't come from this day, but it comes from what's at the end of the chain, they were not disappointed. They were not wrong to trust God. They were not wrong to find their hope. But you see, when Jesus raises from the dead, he ascends into heaven and he gives us a similar promise. He tells us that if we will trust him, if we will believe in God's plan through him, that he lived in our place and he died in our place and he rose from the dead, then at the end of our chain, at the end of our lives, will not be meaninglessness or purposelessness, or despair, but rather will be the another promise, the promise that we too will raise from the dead and that we will spend eternity with God. Now, that's a crazy promise, I know, but of course, that's why God gave us an entire book of crazy promises that he's kept. God wants us to know that he can be trusted. Christmas is an invitation. It's an invitation to take the links of our lives and fold them into the chain of the story that God is writing. It's an invitation to enjoy the good days and tear them away, to get through the bad days and tear them away, knowing that at the end of the chain is a great promise. We will be with God. Death is not final for us. You know, it occurs to me that it is not a chain in the Christmas story that people are looking towards. It's a star in the sky. That star is evidence that God is doing something. And it occurs to me as well in the story that the people who miss what God is, do, are, is doing in their world are the people who have their eyes at ground level, the people who are caught up with the moment. It's the people who take their eyes off of the moment and look up that are the people who see what God is doing. So let me ask you this question. This Advent season, where are your eyes? Boy, it's so easy to focus on the individual links of the chain, isn't it? It's so easy to focus on a virus. It's so easy to focus on the bad news uh, that we're consuming. It's so easy to focus on the drama of our individual lives. But Christmas, again, is an invitation. An invitation to us that as long as we keep our eyes on the links of the chain, as long as we keep our eyes on the individual experiences and individual stories that we live, we will always find despair. But it's a reminder that Jesus has come to invite us into a larger story, a story that will end well for all who trust him. And if we doubt it, he's given us an entire book of kept promises to remind us that he can be trusted. This Advent season, take your eyes off of the day-to-day -day and put them on to the larger story, the larger chain, knowing that even this day, as you tear it away, you are simply one day closer to the day we all will celebrate. Christmas is an invitation to hope. God has put eternity on our hearts, and he's done it through the story of Jesus Christ. God bless.